0: It's the Stan Bravo podcast. <laughs> yes, sir. Good morning, good evening, whatever time zone you're in. This is your host, Stan Bravo, and welcome to the Stan Bravo podcast. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you guys be here with me. Uh god, this 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 thing, this has been a long time coming. You know, a few people have been asking me. Out, you know time like years to have a pod and um, I got one now right? it yeah. just real quick let me go ahead and pay some bills and let you guys know um, for the culture the EP is coming out in February be on the lookout for that it'll be streaming everywhere that you can listen to music um, so of course on all the major platforms Spotify, Apple Music um, title, etc., 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 can look out for that. Um, for the culture, the collection t shirts that I have designed is out right now on stanbravo.com. Um, you can go and purchase yourself a copy or a copy, you can go and purchase yourself a shirt, excuse me, right now. Um, I designed six shirts, and um, there's a a reason behind it You know it's not just me uh, j- Just making shirts uh, I um, You know am raising money for the MacArthur Cancer Therapy Center uh, As many of you guys know I went through uh, A major Health um, health uh, Scare uh, Basically I had cancer um, I'm better now thank god uh, Went through chemotherapy And the whole thing I will tell you guys about that Uh, Not in this episode, though. But I'm raising um, funds uh, for the uh, MacArthur Cancer Therapy Center, specifically for the chemotherapy ward. Shout out to everybody there, though. But I was in the chemotherapy ward and um, want to raise some uh, money for for those folks. because They do an amazing job. Uh, So I came up with this concept. I, um, you know, um, designed six T-shirts. And, um, you know, the goal was to raise 10 G's. Um, for the MacArthur Cancer Therapy Center. Uh, so it's pretty cool. So yeah, so if, you, if you're interested, you can head over to stanbravo.com right now and go purchase a shirt uh, and go ahead and make that happen. All right, now in the meantime, it is me and you time. Stan Bravo podcast time. It's big, so big. Um so happy to be here with you guys man i really am you know uh as many of you guys may or may not know uh i go back quite a while in the scene here a lot of history um with me and sydney and uh in the hip-hop and um r&b scene so i'm happy to be here now to be able to tell you guys um A lot of these stories, man, like a lot of a lot of these moments that many of you guys um, or depending how um, young you are, your parents would have experienced, um, let you guys know some of the behind the scenes uh, things that happened there. And also, you know, the perspective from somebody that, you know, was not like always a spectator, but, you know, a player. Um, out there, you know, and, uh, you know, yeah, it was one of the people that was, uh, behind a lot of people having some really fun moments, uh, out in Sydney throughout the 2000s. Really, really cool times, man. Really, really cool times. So we're going to talk about that. Cause the thing is, the truth is a lot of those stories, you know, there was no, you know, a lot of stories happened before camera phones, right? It was like BCP, right? Um, so you know, there was no like real like if you didn't have a disposable camera, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the 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 camera phones or the cameras that, that came with phones were probably like one megapixel. I remember when people were losing their minds for uh uh to have a, a camera that had one megapixel. That was the thing. Um, but um, yeah, so a, a lot of the things that we did back then, there's not a lot of video evidence. But um, we did these things and and more. So I'm going to share that with you guys um, in this podcast. And I'm also going to run down just, of course, things that are moving out there in the world today. Um, in, in, uh, hip hop and, um, R&B. Um, so yeah, so this is us, man. It's the Stan Bravo podcast. is Stan Bravo talking to you guys. I figured, listen, um, I might as well, you know, start at the beginning for folks that want to know. And one of the main questions that I always get asked, um, and I've done a lot of interviews throughout the years is how does a dude from Harlem, Uh, New York City, end up in Sydney, Australia, specifically in Blacktown, uh, Sydney, Australia. So shout out to uh, Blacktown for real. Um, So I figure, why not tell you guys now? Um, Well, like this. (laughs) So my story begins, of course, in New York City. I was born in 81. And... um, yeah, spent my time, my childhood years, primarily, well, in between like the Bronx and Harlem, but mainly, you know, in, in uh, Harlem. I I was born in the Bronx. We left there um, uh, when I was like young. My parents split up. Uh, they had a really crazy relationship. I um, got violent at times, to be honest. They split up, and um, we moved. We moved to 107th Street. um, Pretty much right down a block from uh, Central Park. Back then, it was, um, you know, like, it it was hood, but it was good, right? It wasn't, like, crazy, you know? Um, Now, that stuff would be worth millions. But back then, it wasn't. It was hood. You know, grew up with people You know, black people, of course Puerto Rican people um, You know, Dominican people uh, You know They were just everywhere It's like, the vibes You know, like, a lot of times When people talk about hip-hop music um, It'll be like, you know Yo, you know, like Almost like some You know, I don't know Like, their cousins or whatever Brought them tapes And, you know It's like this whole secret thing But for, for, for me it wasn't like that. For me, hip hop was legit everywhere. Everywhere. The culture was everywhere. In hindsight, now, um, you know, whether that was the music that was being played in my household, my neighbors on you know, on the radio and offices, you know, train stations, bus stops, Walking down the street, coming out of the barbershop. Oh, they go Keith Murray. Uh, you know, smelling some weed. Look over. Oh, they go Tretch from Naughty by Nature. You know, um, riding bikes. They go Fat Joe in front of his store. I think it was like five sixty Joe or something like that. And uh, uptown, they goes Big Pun hopping out of the jeep. When I tell you hip-hop was everywhere, hip-hop was everywhere, okay? Big L, these guys, you know, it was everywhere. And I think because it was everywhere, most New Yorkers or kids that was being brought up in New York back then, I don't think we really understood how fortunate we were. In that moment. You know. Um, I think we had a rough idea. That something special was going on. And that there was a different type of. Electricity in in the air. But I don't think we fully. grasped What. We were witnessing. And, and experiencing. In real time. You know. Uh, you know Wu-Tang Clan. And. Biggie and Nas and, uh, you know, very young Jay-Z, Tupac, um, God, underground groups like Bootcamp Click, rest in peace to Sean Price, you know, um, you know, it, it, it was such a time to, to have been alive. And if you were born, generation that I was born, you were there. Salute to all of us. <laughs> to being able to have um, experienced that. For real. So, hip-hop was everywhere. Now, here's a little bit of information. Fun, and, and a fun fact. I did not want to be a rapper that was not who 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 i thought i was that was not what i thought i was capable of doing you know um to be honest that was my cousin's drink wasn't mine i was a kid that um smart kid you know i read a lot uh you know, I was always sort of viewed as the smart one family and, you know, stuff like that. Um, read a ton, like I said before. My uncle, Serge, God rest his soul, used to come and bring me newspapers um, as a kid because he knew how much I, I liked to read. So he would bring me these papers and I would sit there and I would just be devouring them. You know, and then being a kid that, you know, was going through a decent amount growing up, you know, with you know, c- certain things at home, um, things outside. You know, I, I, I like my own space. I like to fall into my own imagination and create these whole worlds in my mind. And then I would write these worlds down. Not in song form. I, I, I wasn't there yet. Short stories and then poems. That was my thing. I never thought that uh you know writing, rapping, would ever be my thing. True true story. I I thought I was gonna become a doctor. That's what I wanted to be. And um it's funny, I had a a serendipitous moment where uh <laughs> uh you know I was all you know passionate about uh, becoming a doctor my aunt was a nurse and um I think that uh my aunt had just given birth to my young cousins so I went with my mom to go uh, visit her in the hospital I want to say Mount Sinai Hospital New York was the hospital that we went to I'm probably wrong and I'm going to hear about it but I want to say Mount Sinai and anyway we were in the elevator me and my mom and there were like these two doctors in the elevator and my mom is like hey you know you always say you you want to be a doctor well there's your chance why don't you go go ask them what life is like um, as a doctor so there I go all wide eyed and um really pumped to go ask these um two doctors what life was like. So I go over uh to their side of the um elevator and I say, um, hi, my name is Stan, such and such, and um I really want to be a doctor. And, you know, can you guys just tell me what, what life is like? And they said to me, uh, they're like Uh, All exhausted Like you know Kid You know Listen You want to know Okay You're not going to see your family You're hardly going to sleep Don't do it And then they get out the elevator True story (laughs) So I'm like Well Well damn You know That sucks I remember I felt deflated by that for a while right and um we uh at this time we were living on um 143rd between Hamilton and Broadway and there was a barbershop uh on 145th called Sam and Gore for those that remember were around back then um and this barbershop was fly as hell. I mean, it it, it was the quintessential American or black American barbershop. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. You ever watch the movie Barbershop? ice Tea, Like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just, um, it, it was a spot. It was the, the spot to come through. Ball players, rappers, you know, didn't matter. Average citizens, whatever, would pull up dope dealers, you know. It was just this, the this, this spot to be. It kind of felt like like that barbershop felt like, you know, if there was war outside, that barbershop was like Sweden. You know what I mean? It was like just that neutral territory that people just love, fuck with. Um, and I remember I, I probably like about a week later, I would just finish getting a cut. It's um, starting to have... um. <laughs> Yeah, I remember I, I I got this cut and I was walking around, you know, wave check back in the 90s. Some, some of these young kids, you know, think that having waves is something new. I'm like, mm-hmm, not really, for the record. So, yeah, I'm walking down and I'm checking, you know, checking to see if my joints are spinning. <laughs> and then I could see coming towards me was Keith Murray. And this is around the time when his single... Uh, the most beautifulest thing in this world um, was out, and it was everywhere. It was hot on the radio, man. Um, and so I was like, "Oh, snap, Keith Murray!" So I remember I go up to him, and um, you know, I shake his hand. I ask him, "Hey, man, you know, when when's some new music dropping? I'm loving the single, all this type of stuff." And he was so so gracious and so kind. Um, you know, he took a moment to um, talk to me. I think he was actually on his way to the, the barber shop as well. But um, yeah, he he was just cool as hell. And I remember, you know, I um, I parked that in my uh, in my uh, memory, you know, uh, and. By this time, you know, um, as as a shorty, sort of, you know, seeing all, all this stuff and and, and and growing up around it, um, like I said before, you th- there was an appreciation for it. You knew it was something cool. But at the same time, I don't think any of us realized just what we were witnessing, you know, happening during this uh, a time period of like, New York and East Coast um, hip-hop and throughout the early 90s when, you know, these giants like Biggie and Tupac and Nas and Method Man and, you know, these type of people that they were alive and then they were walking around and they're like real people. But at the time, you know, it was like, yo, they make dope music, you know. Um... So yeah, so you know, growing up, it was typical hood shit. You know, like I, would, you know, go back home and, you know, I would do my thing. I would go outside, be outside with my friends. My, um, my father, my father was a complicated man. He, um, you know, he split up with my mom. Uh, their relationship was uh, wasn't the best. Um, there was some violence. You know, growing up, a decent amount of it, to be honest. Um, he was a, uh, a jazz musician at first. Uh, that would seem to be like his passion, but um, I, I don't think it went uh, too far with him, or I don't think he went too far with it. He ended up working in the uh, post office up until the uh, uh, his final days uh, of life. My uh, mom Was a public servant You know She uh, worked for uh, Child welfare And uh, Educated woman Smart woman Uh, Yeah Pretty smart Haitian woman You know And she did her best She she, uh, did her best She did her best With three kids that she had Um, You know And try to make sure that we went to decent schools. um, You know, trying to make sure that we were not running, running around the streets uh, and everything. But of course, you know, you get older and you want to go outside and see what's out there. And I was no exception to that rule. Uh, So I did, you know, my, uh, but, you know, I tell you one, one common, one common thing, common theme In my life. Really is music. Like when I look at it now. In hindsight. um, That was just the one thing. That was just always there. It was like the one consistent thing. I remember my aunt. She had. um, She used to throw these parties. We stayed on. uh, On uh, the east side. 1199 projects. In the A building. Shout out to those that know those projects. Strong staple in Harlem. Uh, But she used to throw throw these parties And these parties were To borrow the phrase from the kids Lit (laughs) Uh, If you were there You know it You know uh, They were like some of the most popular parties um, In that uh, You know That that were thrown in that building Um, You know And again You know Being there as a young As a young And I'm seeing this thing You know I'm seeing it you know, around me, but again, I'm just enjoying myself. I'm not thinking nothing about being being no rapper or whatever. Um, you know, you go out, end up in some of these clubs. I remember I end up in the studio as a kid. Uh, I think it was Golden Platinum Records, uh, somewhere in New York, and um, I thought it was cool, but again, I didn't have the I didn't think that rapping was for me, or doing what I'm doing now was for me. Not back then. Um, But the stuff was always there, you know. Uh, My mom, again, was a single mom, so she worked. Um, My older brother was not in, in the house. Um, I was, you know, with my, uh, youngest sister. So I would have to, you know, do things for my mom in terms of like, go off and, uh, pay uh, bills for her and pick up my, um, my, uh, youngest sister and look after her. So I'd be a kid that's, you know, catching the train everywhere, you know, all throughout, you know, New York, uh, running around mainly between the Bronx and, um, and, uh, Harlem, um sometimes Brooklyn or whatever, you know, um, paying things, paying bills for my mom or visiting family and friends, you know, that was my thing. That was what I did. Um, and you know, all of those, all of those moments, uh, obviously shaped me for who I would later become. So I wouldn't take any of them back. So, you know, Life was uh Yeah man, life 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 was crazy. It was really really crazy. You know, um the hood was the hood. You know, it's everything that you hear rappers talk about. You know, um it's uh it's a beautiful contradiction. Cuz on the one end you get these guys that are in the community that are doing you know, let's be honest, they're, they're, they're doing wrong in the community, but these are also the guys that are around, and they're trying to, you know, steer somebody like me away from what they were, what they were doing, you know. Um, and maybe it was just something, you know, like maybe they saw something in me. Maybe they, uh, uh, this was for them trying to seek redemption, but, yeah, they would always tell me, yo, you know, this ain't for you, you know, yo, you know, we, like, we know that you're the smart one, you know. So, of course, I had, like, my little crew that I used to run these streets with, you know, just, just on some friend stuff, nothing crazy. But they would always say that, yo, we, we you know, you know, out of everybody, we, we like, we see it in you. You know what I mean? So uh, they come around. They would give us, you know, or like, you know, like like give us money or buy us food or whatever, you know, and just uh, tell us to uh, chill. But it's uh, again, it's hard to chill when you're seeing these guys say this, and they're pulling up in front of you, you know, in 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 lex Coops and lotuses. You know what I mean, and uh, and goddamn five hundred Benzes and all this type of sh- fly shit, you know. But um, but I listened as well, cause I cause I did see that uh, a-, a lot of those guys that would um, you know say that to us within a couple years, a lot of them were not like were not here, you know, um, either. By dying, you know, by by, by being killed or um, by going away, you know, and doing long uh, uh, prison stints. So uh, I did listen, you know, um, and I would observe and I would take in, you know, all this, all this, um, you know, like information. And um, I remember um, there, uh, I had to do a writing assignment for school, and I wrote this poem called "Why," you know, and um, the poem just was just asking various different questions, you know, uh, like um, I think I remember one, I don't know if they call them bars in uh in poetry, but one line, if you will that I wrote was um, why why is it that some women engage in prostitution and why when I asked them why do they have no solution I remember that line and um, I wrote this poem and I turned it in I would would have been in the third grade yeah I would have been in the um, uh, third grade when I uh, wrote that poem and I turned it in and the teacher got, I think she was impressed by it and a little bit too excited. So she went and she was telling, I guess, her colleagues about this poem. And the colleagues went and told the principal about the poem. And I got in trouble. They called me in and they asked me, um, you know, why, why did I write this type of stuff? That I, that I wrote in this poem. And I said, because, well, that's because that's what was in my neighborhood. That's what I saw. And they couldn't wrap their their uh, minds around the fact that, you know, a young kid at the time um, was seeing this. But I did. And, and I wrote it from that perspective. Um, so yeah, I remember they, they call, I think they called my mom and all this type of stuff and had to have a little parent-teacher meeting and and yeah, and I, and I remember I, I got in trouble behind that. Um, but I wasn't going to lie, you know, I wasn't going to lie because that's what I saw. Unbeknownst to me, this teacher of mine, she went off and Quiet is kept. She took this poem that I wrote and um, she entered it into a talent competition um, that the school, I don't know if the school or like the after school program was having. And um, I won. I beat out all these other kids that were there and I won. And it surprised me with this plaque. You know, uh, and I think that was easily the first, the first um, moment of, um, I guess, foreshadowing things to come. But yeah, you know, it was cool. It was super cool. It was super cool, you know, um, to have done that. But I, I still tell you at that time. I um still Didn't think nothing about writing Nothing about You know and def- definitely nothing about rapping No way What? No way My mom One day This is probably like a couple of years later I want to say this is like uh, This is like 95 96 Around that time period Again where Still in Harlem One day my mom Came and told me That she's going to be taking a trip uh, To Cancun, Mexico She was supposed to go out there With um, A guy that she was seeing At the time Couldn't find out that um, The dude wasn't who, who he said He was so she was like a little bit heartbroken But my aunt encouraged her to go Anyway so she went By herself And um I believe I think she was there for like two weeks And I think after Like the Maybe the last few days before she was supposed to Come back to, to New York She told me that she was um In a bar Uh just having drinks Talking to some uh a Dude some Puerto Rican guy actually, And um The guy, um, you know, left and whatever. And then this this other dude came and sent a drink my mom's way. And she looked over and it was a white guy. And she went over and they, they started talking and they hit it off. And she talked about his funny accent. And kind of find out, of course, you guys can see where I'm going with this, that this guy was from Australia. He was from Sydney. And he was vacationing in Mexico. And he just happened to be staying at the same hotel that she was staying uh, during this time. Which is crazy for me, when you think about it. And so they 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 hit it off. They, you know, went off and they became friends. While this was going, going on... Um, I stayed in New York. You know, my mom told me to, to go stay with family, but, you know, I was young. I I, I didn't want to be up in the house. So, I, I, I went. I was outside. You know? And, um, I saw some things. I saw some, you know, some things. I think it was the first time that I ever saw somebody lose their life. Um, like, you know, a shot in front of me, um, like, you know, literally, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I remember um because again, n- nobody was like was in the house. So I was there and um I was hanging out a lot longer than what I would normally hang out, you know, traditional um, you know, family back then, you know, you 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 had to be home once the street lights came on, but since, you know, My mom was away. I'm like, man, I'm I'm chilling. I'm staying out. So I stayed out past, um, you know, like when I should have been. And as I was going home, I could see, you know, this dude, you know, running, breathing heavily, um, coming like around the corner. And he ran up in the building and another dude, probably about a second later, giving chase. And then... My brain is telling me run, but my body is saying that I don't know which way to go. So I stood there watching this thing play out. And then seeing the shooter kind of skip down the street. You know. And when my body finally, you know clicked in with my mind and my limbs began moving. I remember running down the same way, you know, I don't know, you know, running down the same way that he was running. And when I made it to, uh, the end of the street, which is going down towards Broadway. Um, it was a dude who, it was two, two, two dudes fighting. And a dude pulls out a knife and starts going up inside the other guy. With this knife, and I'm like, holy shit! I need to get the fuck out. This is crazy. So I remember that time running home, and you know, just being home, scared to death. And I'm like, I need to get the, you know, I don't know what needs to happen, but we we need to get the fuck out of here. But a record, like I said. I was doing the wrong thing I was told to to stay at somebody's house But I was like man after that I want to go out And I did I went out So I don't blame anybody for for anything This was my choice You know Um, But yeah A couple days later My mom ended up coming back home And she told me this story about this Her quote Australian friend That she had just met and um, you know they they, they were hitting it off, and you know this is you know early early '90s, so you know when people still wrote letters, they'd write letters, you know stuff like that, and you know they were friends, um, and talk all the time on the phone and stuff like that. You know while that's happening, for me as a kid, I am um, I'm going to school. I had got. I got kicked out of a school I was going to at the time because um, some kids said some said something racist to me. It was a kid that uh, people, you know, kind of regarded as like the bully of that year. And um, he, uh, I forget what, what happened. We were in lunch and um, he was trying to get me to move, you know, um, so he could, uh, you know, get to where he want, he wanted to sit. And I'm like, you know, like, you're not going to tell me to move. Like you, you asked me nicely. And then yeah, yeah, of course And he, he, he didn't want to hear that. He tried to put hands on me. I hit him twice and, um, they kicked me out mainly because this kid's parents, um, gave money to the school. True story. That was the thing. So from there, my mom tried to get me in different high schools, you know, to no avail. And we had to settle on Brandeis High School. If you're from New York, (laughs) uh, you know, and uh, you went to high school in New York, you know about Brandeis High School. Uh, I don't got to tell. I don't got to say too much, you know, but, you know, yeah. Brandeis had a rep For very good reason And I went there You know and uh, It 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 was It was crazy It was crazy You know but I met some I, I, I made some friends and Yeah it was cool It was cool By this time I was I began to be bored with high school though Like really really bored with it so um I'd be doing things, man. I I I I'd, I'd be hanging out. I wasn't smoking or, any, or anything like that. I was just a really artistic kid. I was really, you know, nerdy kid, you know. To me, um but I was still cool. I was able to like, you know, talk to or maneuver in every circle, you know, quite quite freely. Um yeah. So we used to um We used to cut school You know Get chased by truancy Um, For those that don't know Truancy officers Were the officers That used to go around And uh, you know If they caught you um, Jigging school or whatever They would um, You know Grab you up Put you in the van And um, send you to school Right So you know We'd see them And we'd have to dip I got a crazy story about that But I'll tell that Another time um, so that was our thing, you know. And I remember at this time, while, while I'm going through high school and all this type of stuff, my mom is is, is talking with um, you know, like with her, her her new quote Australian friend. Um, they went away again. Uh, you know, like they planned a trip. I think they they went throughout throughout Europe together. And um, you know, again I was given a task to go stay with. Family and friends, and I was young, and I had a little bit of money in my pocket. Uh, so I'm like, nah, you know, yeah, cool. Uh, I'll go stay, but you know, I would dip, and I go right back uptown, you know, and uh, you know, we go do things and go see things and go experience things. Um, and again, you you know, you you see a lot. A, a lot a lot goes on you know it's Harlem and Harlem in in the 90s it's crazy time crazy time um again a lot of fun a lot of violence sometimes um you know just crazy shit going on um but there I was at 14 15 at 14 15 years old taking it all in. You know? When my mom got back from that trip, she told me, "Hey, um uh so I've been thinking about it and we're going to I'm we're going to move." I'm like, "Move where?" Cuz by this time, mind you, we had we had moved around a lot growing up. Around a lot. Mainly mainly between Harlem and and the Bronx. Or and just like different sort of um blocks, you know, in um in uh, Harlem. You know, I would say the majority of my time was spent in Harlem, but I also lived in a block in the Bronx on a couple different occasions as well. So shout out to Webster Avenue project. For those that know. Um so what happened? So she told me she's like, "Yo, you know, I'm thinking about about moving, you know, and 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 and, and going to to Australia." Um, I'm like, "Wait, what's happening now? <laughs> you know?" And I'm I'm thinking that she was BSing, if I'm being honest, until she started throwing stuff away. And I'm like, oh, yo, we we really doing this thing? Okay, like, like this is really happening? Okay. She received a lot of opposition from, you know, family members, friends. Um, I remember when I told my friends, yo, I'm moving to Australia. They'd be like, yo, like you mo- you moving to where? Austria, nigga? Ain- ain't that ain't that where Arnold Schwarzenegger from? Like nah, bro, Australia, Australia, but like with them kangaroos and shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. Damn. What y'all doing out there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I know. That's usually how that's how that conversation went. And yeah, like, all right. Well, hey, man. You know, you gotta hold it down out there. Uh. You know, and so I did. On our last day in in New York, my grandmother came down, got rest of soul, and she saw us off. The apartment that we were in for the last how many years that whatever, I mean, many years that we were like living in in a uh, on that street um, in Harlem was empty. We just had our luggage. And, um, you know, we got a cab, old school Lincoln town car, taxi, pull up. Um, and my grandmother was there again. She's, she's there. She's looking at her. you know, she's crying. So of course, you know, grandma cries, you cry. It's just like, you know, I mean, like, it's a thing. How could you not? Um, and I remember, I think. That there was some sort of traffic or something like that. So the uh, the cab driver was like, yo, I'm, I'm going to take you guys through the uh, scenic route. I don't know if he knew that we were moving or if this was just fate. But I, I tell you, this guy took this route um, leading us to uh, taking us to the airport. And it seemed like he was just going down all these old, you know, like he was taking me on like a tour. Of where I spent the majority of my time as a kid, like we circling blocks that I used to run down. Um, there was one block in particular where I um, spray painted the word "Bravo" on. As a kid, you know, is um I love the uh, cartoon Johnny Bravo. And uh, you know, I started to um yeah, you know, like uh carry that uh a name. Um and so yeah, so I went off and I and I and I tagged it and I remember the um the taxi driver driving um right past where where I had tagged up there probably like maybe like about a year, two years prior. Um I remember looking at that thing and just seeing and kind of, um, kind of knowing that, you know, that I was meant to see that. We make it to the airport and, um, you know, the plane is, uh, you know, of course we run planes, my mother and my little sister at the time. And, uh, we make it over to the West Coast, you know. She, coming into sydney you had to fly from new york um to lax and then um catch a connecting flight from um, la to um, sydney so i remember um i was there and um at the time this is like coming off the back like like this is 97 so biggie had just died um you know Pac had died the year prior so me being the super fan that I was, I was like, man, you know, I'm about to come in L.A. And I don't know what I thought was going to happen, was, you know, in hindsight, so goofy. Um, But of course, it was nothing but love, you know, in like the airport. And um, I was sitting there and I was like listening to um, still remember. I. Was, <laughs> I was listening to Puffy at Macy's Been Around the World record in my Walkman. Okay. For those that know. uh, You know. That was my thing. Uh, uh, And um, that was literally one of the the, the tapes that I ran until the tape popped. True story. We catch the flight and we land in Sydney like what felt like a lifetime. You know. In, in the air and we're here you know we're in Sydney you know um uh, uh my mom's um you know Australian friend uh his family met us and we you know hopped in the car and took us around took us to uh you know and and then took us to the house and I'm like where am I? You know, at first, I'm not going to lie. I hated it. Because all I knew at, you know, up until that time was New York and specifically Harlem. I, I didn't know anything outside of that. I mean, we the, the furthest we had ever traveled. We went to Haiti one time and we, we went to Canada another time. And besides that, we spent time in the Poconos. So I didn't know anything about you know what I mean? Like leaving um, North America like that ever, you know? So, especially for an extended amount of time. So, we we make it to Sydney. And at first, I, I, I hated it. I, I just wanted to go back so, so bad, you know? Um, But I went to school was finishing high school here. I went to Blacktown Boys, shout out. And I made friends. And I remember I was so, <laughs> I was so new out here and so fresh that when people asked me where I lived, I gave them my whole address because I had no idea. I didn't know, like, like how to say it. I just gave them, like, you know, my whole damn address. And, um, you know, uh, one of my uh, good friends, he pulled up. One day, just knocking on my door. I'm like, yo, how, how the hell, do, how did you know where I lived? It's like, because you told me. I was like, oh, there you go. Makes sense. Uh, you know, so, you know, we hit it off. Shout out to my homie, Chris. And um, it was cool. It was really, really cool, you know. But I still struggled a lot, you know, with certain things. So I would just, I would quietly fall to old habits and old habits for me was writing. That was my thing, right? Um, so I wrote back then. That was my that that was my therapy. That was the the way that I knew how, how to cope with um, such a big change, you know, happening. Um, and uh, you know, I I also noticed that uh, the thing that I used to find refuge in a lot and I was all around me as a kid growing up wasn't there no more and that thing was music yeah there was a radio station there was some folks but it wasn't like like what I was used to you know um so I figured you know what rather than continuously whine about it I'm just gonna write my own, and I did, and I would rap it for my friends, and um, they began to like it. You know, they tell me, "Oh, this is yo, this is good, man." You know, and you know, um, rap again, and we 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 go out to to parties or whatever, and I just was the the guy rapping. You know, I, you know, in hindsight, to be honest, it was a uh, it was a good thing to attract girls. I'm just saying. <laughs> but um, that was my thing. You know, that was my thing. And uh, eventually, again, you know, you know, you start to build a kind of a name for it. And guys want to come and test you out and, and uh, you know, and, and and battle and whatever. And, yeah, you battle, you know, and I battled and I, and I won. You know, and I continuously won. Uh from there I um I performed uh oh, I'm jumping ahead. We used to hang out at Blacktown PCYC. Shout out to PCYC for real for real. And my homie, my good friend Tony, he went off and he told the manager of PCYC to cop. And, hey, man, you, you know I, I know you guys are doing this um, This under-18s thing You know, you should check out, you know Like, my boy over here You know, he raps He's good So they're like, um, oh, really? Dan, is is that right, Mike? you rap <laughs> And I'm like, um, yeah, 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 I do I do, you know, like, okay, cool Well, you know, like, we're gonna We're, we're gonna get you up and so, like that, um, after years of rapping at various different parties and whatever, I had my first ever gig. I was going to perform at the Blacktown Workers Club uh, during an under-18s uh, event, which I believe was called Fusion or Evolution, one the two. Um... And uh, in that moment, I was like, "Okay, something's happening here. I don't know what this thing is, but something is happening. Tune back for the second episode of of the Stan Bravo podcast, where I'm going to go into detail about the first gig that I had in Blacktown um, at the Blacktown Workers Club. You know. And also how that led me into other clubs in in Sydney and uh, future in music out here. So this is the Stan Bravo podcast. Remember, you can listen to this episode and every other episode on Spotify and also on Apple Podcasts. If you are somebody that wants to get involved with the pod or you have to do, my friends go to Stan Bravo podcast at gmail.com and shoot me an email and I will respond back to you. The next episode will air on Monday and every other Monday you can be assured to receive a new episode Stan Bravo podcast. So remember to follow um, you know make sure all of your notifications are on so you can be the first person to hear it share this podcast around with as many people as you can and let's build this community um yeah let's do it all right y'all thank you guys for tuning in with me i'm gonna catch you guys next monday right here on the stan bravo podcast stan bravo signing off peace